You're listening to the Summer Camp Music Festival Podcast with your host, Camp Counselor Derek. Ahoy, campers! Welcome back to the Summer Camp Music Festival Podcast. I am your host, Camp Counselor Derek. Today, my guest, as you know, is Kanika Moore, the powerhouse lead singer of Doom Flamingo. You may recall last year I had Mr. Ryan Stasek on the podcast, and I encourage you to go back and listen to that one. For those of you who don't know, Ryan plays bass in Doom Flamingo, exclusively. He's not in any other bands that I'm aware of. But stick around to hear more. You see what I did there? More? More? Uh, So on to camp news. I've just got two quick things for you. First, if you're interested in joining me and my fellow camp counselors as ambassadors for the festival, applications will be up very soon. You can apply for the camp counselor program and bring the magic of camp to everyone year-round. We're looking for people passionate about the festival to join our little group of misfits. So if that sounds interesting, I can guarantee the perks are worth it. Nothing else for the early entry and free pass in. But the more effort you put in, the more opportunities present themselves. You know, like making your own podcast and having a platform for your appreciation. And just a quick reminder that the Summer Camp On The Road Tour is in full swing. I want to send out a congrats to some of the bands that have already won the events that have happened over the last month or two. The Runaway Grooms from Denver, The Skinny from Boulder, Humans and Strangers from St. Louis, Meld from Nashville, The Textures from Davenport, Fine By Me from Iowa City, The Earthlings from Madison, Pajamas from Ann Arbor, and Trifocal from Grand Rapids. These shows continue in Indy and Bloomington in Indiana and Peoria, Illinois this weekend, and wraps up at Martyrs in Chicago on March 25th and 26th. So look for me at those shows at Martyrs and give me a hearty ahoy. I think one of those nights I'll be introducing the bands and Camp Counselor Nikki will be handling MC duties for the other. I hope to see you there. All right, okay, on to my guest. Uh, my guest today has been on stage. She's modeled, and she's one hell of a singer. I'm a big fan of her and her voice. She's been a big part of summer camp over the last three or four years as a lead singer in Doom Flamingo, as well as joining the Everyone Orchestra. She's Charleston's own Kanika Moore. <laughs> Summer campers, I am here with Kanika KK Moore of uh, Doom Flamingo. How are you, Kanika? I'm great. Is is KK a, a name that you had from childhood? Um, actually, no. Um, my family used to call me Nika, which is okay. Kanika N I K A. But um, uh, I was in college, and I was in choir and. Somebody just started calling me KK, and it stuck. That's it. That's crazy story. It was something I just learned from internet stalking you, which I always have to do for these interviews. Um, Well, the first question I always ask everyone on this podcast is, um, what was your first concert? And I I know you grew up around music and um, singing. So the, the question is, what was the first big concert that had an impact on you that made you think, made you turn your head and think this is something I'm into. 
Um, you know, when I was younger, my, my parents, uh, my dad went to a lot of jazz concerts. He lived in Dallas. My mom lived in Charleston. Uh, my mom was like church albums at home. That's it. My dad will go see like these jazz concerts. I didn't really have, there was one band, the Yellow Jackets. He's a big fan of theirs. see them but it was like a small festival style uh like one two-day event and then that was it um yeah I didn't get to see very many big concerts that was when my parents were like we don't want to take you we're trying to go have fun ourselves and and you know most of the music that I was listening to I don't I don't think I would have wanted to I have a little bit of anxiety around crowds <laughs> big surprise but I um I'm sure the pandemic I, I hasn't helped well that. Uh, no, <laughs> it didn't. You know, get in your house and like not being around anybody and then going back out like, okay, cool. This is, this is fine. I'm just some sort of an introvert. So just like the, the big, the big, big shows didn't really appeal to me. I like the smaller and more intimate ones. I like when, you know, some of my favorite singers are like on a stage with a trio and it's quiet in there and there's only like a hundred people there. That's, that's my shit. Can I cuss on here? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, does, does that hold true for today? Like, do you, does that hold true for being an artist on stage? Do you still prefer a mix of both a small show and a big show? Or do you, do you like the screaming fans of a big show? You mean me performing? Performing, yeah. Um, I like both. I like yeah. the big stage. I like I like the power of you know everyone together for one reason, and it's a very positive, you know, motivating thing. It's like everybody feels good, and like whatever they've been going through, you know, on their their workload, they saved up some money to come to this festival, and they're here to be entertained and, and they're already excited about it. So like, I like that, but I also like the intimate one because I like to talk or sing to people personally. Just, I feel like there's there's a bit of exposure on both ends. Um, you, can, you can tell when someone means something that they sing. You can also tell when somebody is really holding on to what you're saying to them. So I like, I like being like right in front of them, but I also like the big crowds too. There's a, there's a bonus to both of them. For sure. And, and from a fan perspective, it's the same. I mean, I, I really enjoy both for different aspects of it. 
I mean, there is something that's that's beautiful, like you said, about when a large people get to get large group of people get together and all have the same mindset and are kind of forgetting everything else and are just there for that reason. Um, at, at a festival like summer camp, um, which we'll get into later. Uh, but I, I still want to talk about um, you, you I, I mentioned you grew up singing, you, you know, started singing what around the age of five or six in, in church or in church, yeah, my um, my my family, my great grandfather was a pastor of the church. Like just about everybody who was in there was was family, so um, you couldn't really get around it. They were going to make you do something inside the church, and most of us could sing. So I was I was a first soprano, just singing in the rafters. Uh, the first what six years of my life. My my cat is scratching at my window. Me too. Like, I don't know yeah, if you heard you it, like, but she's running around me like a crazy. I, I gotta animal. go let my cat in. I'll just give me just like one yeah, second. Yeah, go for it. And we're back. Sorry about that. No, that's quite all right. My I purposely fed my cat right before the interview, thinking, well, this will buy me some time. She'll leave me alone. And she just scarfed down the food and is doing like laps around behind me. And I didn't know if you could hear her or not. Hopefully it won't yeah. pick it up on the recording. I um my um uh, my son whenever um the cat gets to the window he like trained him to like he doesn't use the front door anymore he comes and he taps on the window and our couch is right there and then he just like walk that's his door so if he doesn't if you don't open the door there's a screen right in front of it and he puts his nails in there and he just like pulls it down and closes it and he's like now i really can't get in and then he starts scratching at the screen he makes like so i just let him in because he will tear a screen up i i keep getting on instagram it it knows what i like um so it, i i keep watching these videos of people doing voiceovers of cats you know where they're like you take this our, hey. our cat is definitely like that she will like bat you in the face for attention really yeah yeah she'll also just walk up in front of you and just drop down and do this just like pet me right. love me <laughs> Did she let you pet her on the belly? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. That's, that's her favorite. Really? I'm not really a pet person, though. I, I, I got the cat for my wife and son. <laughs> and uh, yeah, so it's more of a nuisance to me. I, 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 I do enjoy how cute and cuddly she is, but she's as much of a nuisance as she yeah, is. Cute I didn't sign up for this. <laughs> yeah. So and then they remind me I did sign up for this. I'm the one who bought the cat. <laughs> Dude, I told, um, so I told my boyfriend, I was like, um, I want a pet. He was like, no, you're too busy. He was like, when? He was like, when are you going to do this? And I was like, what if I had like the most perfect cat? And he was like, we got to go find a cat. I was like, no, we don't. I was like, what if the universe just brings me one? What if I could manifest a cat? What if there could be a small little kitten just roaming around? He's lonely. His parents are probably gone. I don't know what's going on. And like, he just shows up at the door. He was, and I was like, what if he's the most perfect cat? He takes care of himself. And like, he just needs like a little bit of love. He was like, if you find a cat like that, you can keep him. And a kitten showed up at my door some months ago. Um, there, so there's a couple other cats that live in my neighborhood and I've been, I feed them little treats all the time. Um, I give like, so they come up to my door. So that's maybe why the kitten felt comfortable. Anyway, he came over and he lives here now. And does your boyfriend still agree that this is the perfect cat? He does. He was like, 
this cat is the best cat. He was like, I can't even lie to you. You know, usually when when he first got here and he would roam around the house, Brian would be like, oh, get off of me. You know, don't touch me. And and now like he like sleeps on him. <laughs> well, I think, the cat, I think our cat likes me best and it's probably because I'm the one who cares the least. <laughs> they just well, want they, attention. They also, they're, they're also pretty, pretty kind to the person in charge too, so. I'm not sure that's me. <laughs> you said and you some story it to you. <laughs> I might be the first face the cat saw, so that might have something to do with it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay. Um, you said you you have a son. How old's your son? Uh, he's thirteen. Thirteen. Okay, I have a nine yeah. year old. Um, all right, so we'll we'll get back. I, I you know what? I'm probably just going to leave all that in because who doesn't appreciate good cat talk? Um. <laughs> What, uh, so you, <clears throat> you grew up in Charleston, you're singing in the church, and then you get into theater and modeling and, and you're in music the whole time, I assume. Um, no, I wasn't. Um, I was uh, trying out for surgical tech. I went to school for that. And then one of my classes wasn't available. And, and then I took a theater class. So I was like, I didn't even know they were like, well, if your class isn't available, you can just take another one. I was like, really? Like, take theater? And they're like, yeah, you can. I was like, nice. So anyway, did you I did ever... that and I just do like a musical. And, and then, I mean, I, I already knew that, that I loved music. I just wasn't sure how dominant it was in my life um, at that point. I was just trying to get a degree and make some money. And I like helping people. And I was like, okay, let's, let's do this. Especially like one-on-one -on -one stuff, like where it's not a crowded room. So like, that's my, that's my thing. Did, did you have the same, I mean, I, I did a lot of theater in high school and college and did you have the same experience I had where like you, theater people are a certain brand of people. And when I found myself around, I was like, these people are great. Like, I always want to be around these people. That was that was um, the same thing that I felt when I was there. Um, I, I met a guy there and, and we wrote a lot of music together and we bonded and I got to know like a, a lot of those people more personally than, you know, people I've met before. There is something about like the theater kids. Yeah, they're quirky <laughs> and, and they're accepting and it's like, well, I can be weird and this is okay. And it's like, oh my God, you like this. I love this too. There's so much, you know, we have so much in common and, and yeah, it's I fun. Think, I think maybe there's a certain amount of you have to be comfortable with who you are to be in theater and, and that's the common denominator there. That's true. Um, so, well, I would say that that experience in theater, well, let me ask you this. Do you, do you think you could ever see yourself doing more theater? I mean, is that something that if the opportunity was there, you would you would jump at it? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I and it takes it takes a lot of time, but you know I know why. Yeah. Um, it's it's an investment, but absolutely. Um, I was in Columbia when I first started in theater, and I did most of my work there. Um, if Chad Henderson, shout out Chad Henderson, if he called me today with a project, if I could fit it into my schedule, I would totally do it. Yeah, it is a huge commitment. How, how did you end up in, in Columbia? Um, I moved there, I, I went to school there. So, you know, oh. um, and then my sister lives there. 
I've got like some family out there and I was just like, I don't know, I was tired of Charleston. I was like, get me out of here. So, you know, Columbia was right there, still close to home. Um, yeah, that was it. And, and then school school, and, and, and my sister being close was, you know, made it easier. You, you were tired of Charleston, but it sounds like you were back and forth between Charleston and, and Dallas anyway. Yeah, um, I think, I, I mean, if I was being honest with myself, I, I was having like some self identity uh, setbacks and trying to figure out who I was, but not really opening myself up and letting people see who I was and trying to figure out where I fit best. Um, so I guess that's probably why I couldn't really appreciate Charleston because I wasn't out in it. Like I wasn't out in the music scene. I was, you know, staying in my house and complaining about, you know, whoever I did have to interact with. Uh, and then when I moved to Columbia and I came back, I started working with Mike Quinn from Doom Flamingo. Mm. Um, and I was like, man, this music scene here is crazy. And it's funny because a lot of people would be like, you know, I would, it sounds like you don't even live here. Like, you're like, oh my God, Charleston is great now. It's like, I don't know. You have to leave to get an appreciation for your hometown. Yeah. Well, part of its age too. I mean, if I think about what I knew, I mean, I, I live just outside of Chicago now and I, I lived in the city for 23 years. If, if I think about what I knew of Chicago in high school versus what I know now, <laughs> I mean, I only knew a small fraction of a couple streets, you know? So, I mean, you probably just weren't of the right age to really be out in the Charleston scene until you came back. I'd agree with that. So, uh, you know, Mike Quinn and, you know, uh, TK, Thomas Kenny and Stuart White. And then how do you end up meeting an unsavory heathen like Brian Stasek? <laughs> the heathen. He doesn't like cats, by the way. I don't blame him. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's right. You too. <laughs> you guys. Um, so we were supposed to... Um, do a show for uh, an Umphreys after show. Uh, Ryan had just moved here and he was looking for a new band. And and um, when they were looking for a band to play, it was like, he was like, why don't I just make one? I just like put one together. Like I've been, I, I want to do something since I got here. And uh, he reached out to a couple of people and then Mike reached out to me. And then we all got together. We met at Charleston Poorhouse. Shout out to Alex and, um, we rehearsed there and we wrote a song first first couple of times we met together and then we got some studio time and this is before the actual first show. Um, so we went to the studio, did some recording and, and, you know, made original music for this particular show. And it like, I, I would say I, I felt the energy stirring when we were inside the studio working on S16. Um, that's, when, that's when I really started to feel it.
before you went into that studio, did you know what kind of music you were walking into? I mean, it's a pretty distinct sound, especially at that, at that point when, I mean, now we're seeing a lot of resurgence of, of 80s sounds, I'd say, but, but when you guys started, you know, five or six years ago or whatever it was. We did, we had, um, so we started with um, a couple of covers like what songs would you see us playing? And Ryan already had like a, a piece of the concept when, you know, when he came to all of us, he was like, I, I really want a band with the name Doom in it. And that kind of like set the tone for it, you know, with just that word. And then we made Doom Flamingo and it was like, well, um, Ross um, just started venturing into, you know, synthetic music and the lack of vocals in there. And we just started to toying around with that and just kind of turned it into something else. Cause I, I guess from, from what I'm learning with Synthwave, this is just not vocal heavy. And, you know, we tried to play, try to play around with that idea of just testing the boundary, having that powerful uh, theatric music and, and then, you know, adding some vocals to it. Yeah. And, and I would imagine your, your theater experience I mean, I, I feel like you can see it with you in, in Doom. Um, I mean, you, you, said, you said you're you're an introvert offstage, but then you walk on stage and you, you command the audience. <laughs> I mean, you look very comfortable up there. Is, is that true? Is that how you are? Is that how you feel I'm on stage? Pretty comfortable up there. I would say, you know, when, when I played um, some of the bigger shows where there's just like, thousands of people standing out there that's when I'm the most comfortable I'm like this is what I was this is this is what I was created to do I love music I, I can't do any there's nothing else that I function so well in I I love music and I and I love how I feel and the confidence that I feel on the stage is so much different from when I'm like roaming around every day trying to make a friend <laughs> like it it's it's a different feeling um I feel like I belong there. I, I feel like people want me there. I like the way I feel. I like the way I make people feel when I'm up there. And I feel like I have a relationship with them that is not so intimidating, um, which you would think it is because you're on a stage. But for me, that's not how it works. I, I get real comfortable on stage and I feel like I can pour portions of myself you know, to them without feeling exposed. Yeah. But when it's exactly what I'm doing. How do you feel about the term vampire porn music? I've seen that thrown around a little bit. No, I mean, it, it works. <laughs> it works. Like, um, it. you know, you, you talked about the, well, my, my theater background, just talking about embodying a person. I, I would say that that person that's on stage is, somewhat of a witch <laughs> it's, it's very it's and it's it's very sultry at times and and um the movements are i don't know I, I like to watch i like to watch madonna and and lady gaga and and i like when their their moves flow into the attitude of the person i don't exactly do what they do but i watch them a lot um I well, I think uh, it's it's fun to see, at least in, in the jam band scene anyway, for lack of a better term, it's it's fun to see sultry because sultry is not something we get <laughs> from jam bands. 
that's another reason why I just like just pour it on. I'm like, there's what? There's nobody. I remember the first couple of festivals I went to because, like I said, I didn't really go to a lot of them, and they got like they they started getting bigger, and then we went to like Halloween and summer camp. Summer camp was just it's my favorite. It's my favorite because of the bonding that like just getting to know these people and not feeling and you know intimidated by the amount of people that were there. I will say I could roam around a lot more easier the first time I was there as opposed to now. But you know, that's okay. When I'm in my mood, I'm like, I want to go talk to people and I'll just go, you know, walk where everybody is and, and go talk. But um wait, what was the question? Um now I don't know. <laughs> I was I was so into your response. I was trying to imagine you out there walking around and thinking like, well, the blue hair is not going to help you. Uh, no, I don't think. You know, I try like <laughs> I'll put like I'll wear like a big sun hat. That doesn't work. Sometimes I take like I've got a scarf going around the the bottom of my head right now. Sometimes I'll take it and I'll wrap it around the whole thing, and all you see is like this. I look like I guess Marge, which probably doesn't. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> I probably, yeah, it looks like Marge. Um, <laughs> I'm trying to think of what the question was because I had a good answer and then I got. I was saying that we don't get sultry in the jam band world. <laughs> there it is. Okay. Yeah, it's, 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 it's not there. When I was going to these festivals, you know, for the first time, like the guys know the name of the festival. They know the people that are gonna be there. They know all of the members of all of the bands. This is so new to me. And yeah, we're three years in, but like what people have been listening to and, and supporting and, and promoting, you know, from years before, you know, Ross has been going to these festivals. So did Mike. Like those guys know this. Like I, I haven't, I haven't been in this scene, and, and it's so new to me. So to see everybody, to to see that Doom Flamingo made it into this part of the jam band scene, and it's so separate from a lot of the things that happen. That's really kind of blowing my mind. Like the the vampire porn. It really has its own place in each festival. Um, and, you know, Umphrey's music has a lot, I feel has a lot to do with that because, you know, when Umphrey's is in one area and it makes sense that Doom would be there, like there's that connector. Um, and, and then we're in this jam band scene where there's nothing but, but a bunch of guys with beards and, you know, and there's me. Um, I kind of like that. I kind of like that it's separate, but I, I I like that it's opening up more room. I'm starting to see more females at these festivals, and I'm um, I'm digging it. And we need it there. Like every time I when when I go to those festivals, that's what I was looking for. I I'll look for something different. I like that Doom Flamingo is doing something a little abstract from what you would expect from a jam band festival. I like that. I hope they keep doing that. I hope there's always just like one band is just like, wait a minute, this doesn't sound like everything else that's going on, you know, to the person who goes with their friends to the festival to hang out and doesn't know much about it. And then they find this band that they fall in love with. I like that there's a variety there for people to be entertained by. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Vampire the, porn. <laughs> the, the jam band scene, I mean, classically it's, you know, Southern rock guitar bands, right? But then, but the, but then the, the scene kind of brought in bluegrass and then 
hip hop and, and now EDM. And so it's, it's an open-minded crowd. I mean, certainly it's, I mean, jam music is jazz at its, at its heart anyway. But um, I, I think for you guys to find a unique sound to bring to that scene that isn't already there is an accomplishment in itself. I mean, there, there's not a there's not a band that sounds like you guys, and and I think that's refreshing for us. We're we're always you know for jam band fans, we're always looking for something fresh. But um, I guess that wasn't a question; it was more of a rant. But <laughs> I like it. Um, so uh, summer camp. This will be your fourth time playing summer camp. So the third or fourth? I feel like it's the third. Third. Um. Oh, you know, you were talking earlier about uh, you, you guys starting with covers and you have a, you have a lot of great covers out there. I mean, the, the touch of gray cover is, I, I absolutely love. Um, I'm, and I'm not even a huge dead fan. I actually like it a little better than the original. Um, Ooh. uh, I saw wicked game as I was looking, uh, that's amazing. Um, and then the other day, well, so I was talking to somebody the other day, you know, the Beatles are in conversations a lot lately because of the, the new documentary. And somebody was like, yeah, I love the Beatles. And we were talking about McCartney and they're like, oh, I really didn't care for solo, McCartney's solo career. And I was like, yeah, but live and let die. Yeah. <laughs> um, who, who's, who, who brought that to the table? I noticed that. So this was just a, a, a day or two ago, you, you sang that with Umphreys, um, right? I brought it up. I, you know, I told... <laughs> I like Ryan and I are like Doom Flamingo. All of the members like we'll be on our whatever rants, and we'll just like our oh my god, our text thread for like business is not just business. It's like jokes and memes. It was like just just to, just conversation Tourette's. Like everybody's just like going off in there. And um, I sent something to Ryan, and I was like. I, I think we had just finished seeing their show or whatever. Like this, this happened a couple of nights before. I was like, hey, you know what we should do? I was like, we we have a show. I can't announce it yet. Can I announce it yet? I can't. There's this will be a, coming a, out in a couple weeks. Yeah, yeah, it's a big thing coming out pretty soon to talking about that we're going to be a part of. And I was like, you know what would be cool? If we could play Live and Let Die by Paul McCartney. Probably, sorry. And then he was like, um, let's do it tomorrow. I was like, all right. Well, I mean, when I wanted to do this song, I do not know that song. <laughs> like I had to learn it. I was like, oh shit. I did I thought I have more time because this is supposed to happen like what I was talking about this next year. So well, it didn't show. Holy shit. You just learned you know, that again. Yeah. Well, I I I did hear this. I I, I know the song, but you know singing the song in the shower and listening to it and then singing it on stage and understanding what he's talking about and being able to deliver that message your own way on stage, like being able to do that um, takes like a little bit of work. So- And, the, and, and thought, getting to know I, the, I was, the structure of the song, that's what I always find when I'm trying to learn a song. It's like remembering A part, B part, weird C part back into like, that's the part I have trouble with is keeping it. Well, they played straight. it. They played it in a different key. Um, for you? Um, well, no, it's um, it's from uh, what's the 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 original? Um, 
someone else covers the song or uh there's a guns and roses version out there. guns and roses version is uh, a little different and um that's the version they were going after and i didn't find out until we got to rehearsal i was like oh okay cool I'm like, <laughs> so you had, you had already practiced it in the original McCarty yeah just like i got it it's fine uh but um i can transpose in 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 my head like if if i hear it um so I heard it immediately as soon as I started playing it. I was like, okay, because they don't usually send me charts. We just talk about the song. They have their charts and they have what they have to get ready. And, you know, I have what I have. And and um, I don't look at charts um, when I'm learning songs that I already kind of know because mm-hmm. I'm not going to look at any of that. I'm just going to sing it the way I think it's supposed to go. So I just listen. I listen to the artist singing it. I learn how they sing it. And then I stray from it as as much as I think is but yeah then we talked about singing that song and and then it happened a whole lot faster than I thought it would. I was, I was, um, I was not smoking and I was watching, uh, <laughs> I was watching a, a Shrek. Have you ever seen Shrek 3? I'm sure I have. Um, the, the prince, the uh, princess Fiona's dad is a frog. Um, and he he dies. Spoiler alert uh, to anybody who hasn't watched Shrek three. Anyway, he's <laughs> he he, uh, he dies at the beginning of the movie, and um, when they're pushing his body into the water, they started playing "Live and Let Die," um, and I think that's where it sparked it because I was in here and I was just like having a good time and at home, and, and I was like, oh, okay, that's where it came from. Now that I think about it, but. Well, you knocked it out of the park. It was, it was great. Sorry for that long story. No, no. I mean, that's, that's the podcast way. <laughs> Our long tangent stories. Um, and, and actually there was another, I was listening to, uh, there, there's a video that Relics put up and it's Replicant and Simply the Best, Sim- Simply the Best, another cover that's amazing. Um, Replicant to me sounded like a Genesis tune. Like, are you familiar with Genesis at all? No. Yeah, they just they just kind of touring again. Phil Collins can can barely uh, he he's sickly and and can't stand, but still an amazing show. Um, what is it again? What's that? What is it again? Genesis. So it was it was originally Peter Gabriel, uh, Phil Collins, or Tony Peter Banks, Gabriel. Or, Michael Rutherford. Yeah, Peter Gabriel was originally it. in the band in in like the 60s, 70s. I might be off on that. Um, and then he left and Phil Collins took over as the singer. And this is like pre-Phil Collins solo career. Why do you not know this? You know, it's not surprising to me because they just did this big kind of farewell tour. Um, and I was surprised at how few people... There, there's definitely Genesis songs, you know, Land of Confusion or um anyway and i i think i think the 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 
connection there is they're kind of this jam band prog rock kind of thing. And, and since they were popular in the eighties, when I hear some Doom Flamingo songs, I hear this, I hear that connection to the, the synth and, and then the, the jamminess of it, the, compli the complicated nature of, of, you know, the construction of the songs. And um, anyway, that's- uh, We're gonna have to cover one of these songs. I'm yeah, gonna listen to this as soon as we're done. I'm gonna be, I'm gonna play this. Oh, I don't even know where to tell you to start with Genesis because there's like different eras. I mean, the Peter Gabriel stuff is like really angry and trippy. And um, there's a there's a song about like a rape victim that goes back to torture her assailant um, that I just love. Uh, that's on nursery crime. Um, but that's that predates what most people think of when they think of Genesis, uh, which is Phil Collins being the front man. But um, yeah, um, Replicant, um, the guys, what was I watching? It's, it's always something I'm watching right before that I get inspired by to write. Um, it was Blade Runner. Um, and we talked about um, a, an android falling in love with a human. And, and you know, in most movies, that's forbidden. I'm like, no, we're gonna keep two separate made this thing human but you're not allowed to or like the android wasn't allowed to once they get to a certain level of emotion they destroyed them right music during the pandemic and or, or seems like you recorded a lot of music during the pandemic was was that remotely and have you had a chance to play some of that stuff is there stuff that you're excited to get out there and test out for the first time still there's uh there's there's some new songs that we've that we've played live um there's a uh, lux nor there's a uh, 303 love evil um we are working on an album like right now um and it's it's pretty much done it's pretty close to done um so i'm looking forward to you know everybody hearing that this will be the first time that we are releasing music on the album that we have not played live uh i've really been looking forward to that i don't know why but i am i 
I, I like the way it sounds and I, I, I want people to hear it. It's some, there's a bold approach to like going to the studio and just putting the music out there instead of testing the waters and playing it live and, and like working on it. Not that we didn't work on it. It's just, I, I like the rawness of getting inside of the studio, having a feeling about the song and just working on it before we share it with anybody, just being confident about it before we even share it, I guess. And then do those songs evolve in terms of how you're gonna present them live? Um, I mean, cause there's, I would imagine there's a fair amount of overdubbing and piecing things together in the studio. Do, or, or do you guys kind of try to replicate them as much as possible live as they were? I try to keep everything. I try to not add, even, even vocal wise. Um, I try not to add anything that I can't duplicate live up front on stage when you're yeah i don't i don't like to um i i rely on the guys for my background vocals a lot i'm like this is what i was singing here and here and both of you guys do that and we'll all come together and this is going to be great please and thank you and they're um, able to accommodate that yeah they they do um mike and i worked on a couple of other projects together and he sings so he does he does pretty well for himself ross is surrounded by keyboards it's you know he he's surrounded by keyboards so um i i only i only call on him every once in a while um but we are working on getting more vocals i, I try not to make it too heavy i i, I don't want it to be such a far stretch from the synth wave theme. Um, and I can get lyric heavy real easy because I got a ton of shit to write about, but. I, I was listening to another interview and you were talking about a band that you were putting together. Um, and this interview was from about a year ago. Did that, did that come to fruition? Is that been, have you been out there yet? Um, so I have, uh, a show coming up at uh, Sweetwater, Sweetwater 420, and and um, I've got a band that I put together specifically for that. I also worked on um, 100 Years of American Black Women in in Music, um, and that's that's a project that I'm working on by myself. Um, what, what, tell me more about that. What's that? So. Um, I got together with um, some local musicians, Jonathan Lovett, um, JT Rollison, and Reggie Sullivan from Columbia, South Carolina. And I picked um, some of what, you know, I guess the artists that I was most inspired by in each decade. Um, so it starts in the 20s and then all the way to current and for uh 2020 i wrote a song um being inspired by all of the artists that i selected um for each decade um that's gonna be coming out pretty soon too i'm pretty excited about that but that is not doom flamingo uh yeah. no, that's um, all right <laughs> yeah we can talk about it. we can talk about the motown showdown we can talk about whatever you want do that the the um the hundred years of that that project is um i'm really excited to get that one out it's it's got a lot of heartfelt work into it and our um, intention yeah it sounds it, super compelling yeah and um jonathan lovett is a good friend of mine and i've 
talked about working, you know, on a solo project with him for quite some time. So it's just, you know, just an album of something that I'm inspired by. I, I do um, see a lot of positive things coming from it, but it's just, you know, just, I don't know. I like working on a lot of things. So try to keep myself busy. Well, I think we're all a little ADD now, so. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> trapped in the house man I couldn't like I, I couldn't work like get anything done on my laptop as far as like recording or anything like that I would always just show up to the studio and then when that got cut off I was like what do I do and and bought some equipment and like I get like a I get a good bit of work done you know in front of it and you know the the album is that and 100 years of, of American women and, and like the show that I'm putting together for 420 is, is all a product of, of having that free time before. So I kind of yeah. like that things are kind of like slowly getting back into it. So I still have time to work on new stuff. So, I mean, do you, do you think overall you uh, thrived from the downtime of the pandemic creatively or were you just like antsy and... I mean, for, for me, I had to, I had to start painting. I had to start doing home projects. I had to constantly keep moving just around my house. A little bit of both. Like that, that's kind of why I like got in front of the laptop and, and, you know, got a microphone and set everything up to keep myself busy. I heard you say I you like, learned, you were learning logic. Yeah. Yeah. How man. about that bass yeah. behind you? You started playing that yet? That was another thing in the interview I was listening to. Um, you know, no. Every once in a while, I'll pick it up. But like, there's there's some stuff coming up, and I've actually been um, closer to the piano these days. Okay. Um, for some stuff coming up, so no, I haven't. It's just over there. It's probably a little dusty. <laughs> a little bit. <laughs> Um, okay, I, I know we've gone over already. Uh, there's one one more band that I, that I really want to talk about too that is near and dear to my heart. Um, how did you end up meeting up with Matt Butler and the Everyone Orchestra? Because that set at summer camp last year, and I, I know it got shifted around because of it was supposed to be in the barn and it ended up on the moonshine. That set was unbelievable. Man, I met Matt through Mike. I met a lot of people through Mike Quinn, but uh, we had a um, we had a show that we were playing that that night that we the first time that I played with Matt Butler, and um, it was the first time I met him. They had this whole concept about doing everything improv. I'm like, dude, I love improv. I love being thrown on the stage and like just coming up with a song in the moment that sounds fun. And um, he like, you know what he does, he, he pulls in musicians from that area and just, it's just a, a big jam session and it's some of your favorite players. So we played a show with him and then that, that was it. it. It was just like, it, it was never Mike anymore. It was just like me and Mike, like we're always on the stage together with, with Matt Butler. He's a great guy. I love the concept. I, I love how many people I've met. Um, as a result of that. Matt makes it look so easy. And he really has a lot going on in his head to make all that happen. He's not just standing up there waving his heads, hands around. Do you, do you think you'll be doing more stuff? It seems like you've been on stage with everyone orchestra plenty. Do you, is that a lasting relationship? Can we expect more of that? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you know, as soon as we, 
we cross paths again, I'm sure you'll you'll see uh, Mike and I on stage with him. I, I like the duo. Um, yeah, are you more comfortable with Mike? Are you more comfortable being up there with Mike next to you? Because you're. I think familiar? because we. I think because we started that like when I started playing with everyone orchestra, Mike was always there. So there's some sort of comfort in, you know, him being there since the beginning and it worked so well. It's like, you know, why would I not want him to be there? Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's, a, com it's a comfortability thing. It's just because it, that's the way we started. Definitely one of my favorite sets from 2021 was was that set and uh, and and you oh, had a large portion. So hot. It was it was hot. It was so hot. <laughs> I I always think that, especially when you see like like a band um, and, and not that they've been there recently, but you know a band like some kind of bluegrass band, Del McCurry or Henhouse Prowlers, where all the guys get up there in suits. Or or here come the mummies. I mean, they got to be dying. Or first of all, uh, Sasquatch was supposed to be on the stage. Sasquatch, like, Dude, yeah. how does he even survive on that stage? That song was beaming. Like uh, Mike Dillon was playing uh, the, the day before, or I think that same day, and it was hot over there too. Just like, I don't, I don't know. Like, and Matt, where's that? You know, he wears the whole suit. Like that thing's hot. Yeah. It's gotta be. When you're, like so when you're Vince Herman of Leftover Salmon was uh, the MC at summer camp and he came out in a Santa Claus outfit and I thought you're, you're gonna pass out dude. You're gonna pass out. Man I, I remember like when I'm over there I, I change I change from being the lead person to being a background vocalist and that just means I'm complimenting whatever is in front right now. And so I was like, how do I do that? Well, you move around and you dance, first of all. So like, I'm just like moving around and the sun was like right on me. I had to keep my shades on because there was so much sweat in my eyes that I couldn't open them. Couldn't open so them. So I was like, 
Yeah. So I have my shades on, my eyes are closed. <laughs> just like going. And then I like crack my eye open and Matt Butler just points at me. He's like, you go. I'm like, oh, right. I was going to say, there's a lot of bands you could get away with, like really feeling the music and closing your eyes, but you kind of need to see Matt Butler in that band. Yeah, yeah. He, he moves around so quick. You don't know when he, he's going to point at you. He goes into the next song. He does not talk about who he's going to point at. He'll look at you at the beginning of the song and like, okay, why don't you start us out? I'm like, oh, okay. Done. <laughs> you got to... You need to be ready before you get up there. There's a couple of prep things I do before before I uh, perform with Matt Butler. Like there's like a whole different thing. Like prep things like vocally or my, mindset wise. Um, uh, mindset wise, um, I I write a lot. Just like before I go on stage with him, just coming up with themes. Um, I don't take, I don't usually take anything. I'll allow myself to go up there with one note. So like if I wrote something and I'm like, oh my gosh, if that fits with whatever he points at me for, I'm going to use this because this is nice. But it's just, I don't know, just get myself ready to, to, to tell a story or, or just positive words or just, you know, just coming up with ideas before I get up there and just having them fresh in my memory. So when I get on the stage with him and he points at me, well, this song makes me think about this. Well, I was just telling myself to write a story about this. So let's tell that story. And I'll just put like a couple of key words there. And I don't know, just have my mind ready for him to just point at me. Cause I don't know, sometimes like he points at me and I'm like looking in the crowd and somebody's doing something ridiculous. I'm like, well, now, I'm going to talk about you. You're great. You're inspiring me right now. Thank you. It actually seems tougher to me to be a vocalist in that situation than it does it to be an instrumentalist because because you're setting a you're setting more of a tone for the song with the words you use and you, maybe nobody else in the band had that thought <laughs> before you started. So you have to kind of keep it evergreen a little bit, but I don't know. It just seems it seems tougher to me to to end, to insert vocals into that. And I, I I mean that's that's what I loved about your set last year. I think you did it flawlessly. I think you did it perfectly. It's kind of like I, I don't know. Just have those ideas before I get out there. That 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 helps me a lot. All right. Well, uh, we are so looking forward to you being back at summer camp this year, and uh, so hope to see you out there wandering around with your Marge Simpson hair, trying to hide. I would. <laughs> I'm gonna try to come up with something. I've I've come up with a. They they don't work because my hair is blue. Like, I love it. I mean, let's be honest. And there's not really that many black girls there. Like, that's one. And yeah. my hair is blue. And you know, we've we've grown a lot since the the first time that we played summer camp. And and they really took a hold of of like being excited about doing Flamingo. They really did. That first year, like people were already, they were jumping on it. Um, Umphreys fans are, they're, uh, they're a rabid fan base. Those guys, they're, they're amazing. <laughs> Dude, I, I, you know, festival life is, you know, I, I wouldn't say it's new to me anymore, but like going to see Umphreys show and like see their fans, it's like a whole, 
another level. I love it. Yeah. You, you ever go to a fish show? Yes. Yes, I have. D Same similar, thing. Different, different crowds, similar kind of thing, though. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, um, diehard fans. It's nice. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, hey, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time. I know you got a lot going on. I enjoyed it. No problem. All right. Well, we will see you at summer camp in uh, just a couple months. Okay. Take care. Have a good one. All right. You too. Bye. See you soon. Bye. to Kanika. That was Doom Flamingo in the VIP tent just last year covering Chris Isaac's Wicked Game. Also my thanks to Kanika for introducing me to the Yellow Jackets. You know this podcast can take a while to make but sometimes extra long when I end up in internet rabbit holes listening to clips and and I spent a while with the Yellow Jackets of various eras after our interview ended. Some great jazz there and I see why that would stick out in her mind. And I hope she's looking into Genesis right now because I would love to see one of those not-so-poppy Genesis songs show up in a Doom set at summer camp. That'd be pretty cool. All right, on to the jam of the week. Um, my selection this week is from just last year. Here's Kanika and Doom Flamingo from the Campfire stage in 2021. Thanks for listening. I'll be back in two or three weeks. <laughs> you